Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, we're continuing in our series, The Seven Traits of Highly Miserable People. And you know, traits mean qualities or uh, mannerisms or uh, characteristics, if you like. And miserable people have traits that make them miserable and make others miserable too. And most people don't even know why they're miserable because they've never thought it through. And when you think it through and you look at these traits, you realize, hang on a minute, this is making me miserable and I don't want to be miserable. I don't have to be miserable. God wants me to be filled with joy. And if you think it through and you identify these traits, you can make changes and you can enjoy the joy of the Lord. Last week, we looked at the fact that people who are miserable, number one trait that they have is they constantly worry, and that can make you miserable. Now today, we're going to look at the second trait, they constantly complain. People who constantly complain are highly miserable people, and it's not easy to be around constant complainers and whiners, and uh, when you're around them, you get a bad reputation when you're a person like that. And you'll remember in sport, there are many people who've got a reputation for whining and being gripers and complainers. You'll remember John McEnroe. In fact, they list him at the top of the 50 most complaining sports people, Kobe Bryant, and then the soccer player that everyone loves, uh, Ronaldo. But Ronaldo is a complainer, and he's a constant complainer. And just mention here, Lionel Messi very seldom complains and he plays for Barcelona. But there we go. People complain and it makes them miserable. Then in 2009, Royal Caribbean abruptly notified a couple called Brenda and Gerald Moran from Cleveland that they are no longer welcome on any Royal Caribbean ship anymore, ever. Well, what prompted this? They'd been on a cruise liner six times and they kept posting online numerous complaints about door locks and about sewerage and all sorts of things and they wouldn't stop doing it. Even though they'd offered them compensation, they constantly complained, made themselves miserable and evidently made Royal Caribbean miserable. You see, you can get a reputation like this and you can have that trait that makes yourself miserable and everyone else miserable and it's extremely annoying. Notice here in the book of Proverbs, it says in Proverbs 27, a constant dripping on a rainy day and a cranky woman are much alike. You can no more stop her complaints than you can stop the wind or hold onto anything with greasy hands. Notice it says, constant dripping, not occasional. All of us complain occasionally, but this is the drip, drip, drip of constant, constant complaining. And there's nothing worse than being married to a person like this. It says it again in Proverbs 21. It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. Gosh, if you've got someone that's constantly complaining all day long in your life, you know what you'll want to do? You'll want to get away from them even live in a desert. Now let me just say this, all of us will complain and sometimes we must complain, but I'm talking about constant complaining. Let me give you an example. We should complain uh, about poor service. We should complain about bad manners, incorrect orders that have not been fulfilled when you order something. We should complain when when you're in a restaurant and things are not the way they should be. It's not what's offered on the menu. Then complaints are necessary, but constant complaining can drive you mad, drive out your joy, and it can really 
really harm you. Anyone who strives for excellence will find themselves complaining, especially if you're in leadership because leaders are constantly identifying problems and needs and then finding solutions for them. So leaders are often problem orientated because they're looking to improve things. But constant complaining as a way of life is bad. You know, a lot of people believe that it's, it's, it's necessary to complain because it declares that we understand what's happening. South Africans are super complainers and we complain about all sorts of things and it makes us angry and aggressive people. And some people complain as a way of starting a conversation. You, you meet someone, you don't hardly know them and you say, it's cold today, isn't it? Not it's, uh, it's coolish and it's nice. Now we tend to use complaints as conversation starters. And you know, when you start to become a constant complainer, you stop seeing good in anything. You look at life through a negative lens and you don't see good even in wonderful things. I was reading recently that TripAdvisor, from all the reviews they get, they, d they discovered that the Eiffel Tower in Paris is the landmark that people complain about most when they go on holiday. 17,000 negative reviews were received about the Eiffel Tower. Now we've traveled there and we absolutely love it, but uh, they analyzed thousands of negative feedbacks and this is what they discovered. The, the, the female who complains the most has got a name called Kim and the male complainer is Paul. And before you nudge Kim and Paul next to you, second in line were Susan and David. It seems that we find things to complain about and it can become a trait, can become a habit, and it can remove your joy and spoil your life. So no matter what your name is today, we all complain. The problem is, is if we constantly complain. Let me remind you, someone once said this, you can never complain your way to a fulfilling life. Let me give you six facts about constantly complaining, and then I'll give you some ways that we can overcome this trait that makes us highly miserable. Number one, the first thing about constantly complaining is this. It's an irrational and habitual response to stress. Constant complaining does not come from nowhere. It comes from an emotional and habitual response when we find ourselves under stress. Think of the children of Israel. God delivered them from Egypt by a miraculous hand and uh, he took them out into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. God had an awesome destiny for them, but on the way they were prevented from reaching their destination by constantly complaining. There wasn't an occasional complaint. No, they complained about everything. They complained that it was too hot, it was too long, it was too far. There was, there was too much of one kind of food. And you know what God said? Trip canceled because they responded emotionally instead of full of faith to their challenges in their lives. Numbers 14 records the journey and it says, then all the people began weeping aloud and they carried on all night, emotional response. And it says, their voices rose in a great chorus of complaint against Moses and Aaron. We wish we had died in Egypt, they wailed or even here in the wilderness, rather than be taken into the country ahead of us. Jehovah will kill us there and our wives and little ones will become slaves. Let's get out of here and return to Egypt. Notice this, the idea swept the camp. Let's elect a leader to take us back to Egypt 
they shouted. You'll notice how emotional this was. They wanted to go back to where they were in slavery and they thought God had led them out in order to destroy them. And so they began to constantly complain and their complaints swept the camp until all of them were miserable. It was emotional, not rational, because they were under stress. We need to make sure that in these times of stress that we're living through right now with COVID, with the unusual circumstances we find ourselves in, that there's not this habitual and emotional response where the first thing that comes out of our mouths is a complaint. Complaint about the way things are. Complaints about the government. Complaints about our family. Complaints about people in shops because it becomes a habitual response to stress and it has no real foundation. The Apostle Paul found this in his ministry in Acts chapter 25. People responded to him emotionally because they were stressed out. He was preaching and challenging their beliefs. It says, and when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. Lots to complain about, but no real substance. Why? An habitual response and an emotional response because they were being stressed. And that's what can happen. It can get built into your life and made them miserable, yet there was no real substance to it. The second thing about constantly complaining is it affects our emotional and physical health. When you constantly complain, you can become sick and you can make yourself ill. Let me remind you that when you verbally complain, it's not just other people that are hearing it. Your actual body is hearing it. Your own ears are hearing what is coming out of your mouth and you're literally programming your own mind and your own body and your own cells with negativity and complaints. And you can make yourself ill. And you've heard people say when they're having arguments, you make me sick. It's literally true because complaints and arguments and constant negativity can almost make you feel ill and it can affect your emotional but also your physical health. Proverbs 15 and verse 4, gentle words cause life and health, griping brings discouragement. Number three, here's the thing about constantly complaining. It's the mentality of a victim. And you know, as believers, we are not victims. We are not alone. We are not victims. We have God on our side. But when you complain, it's almost like you feel powerless. So you have to keep speaking as if it's going to change something. And you adopt a mentality of a victim and you almost start to feel like life owes you something. And I want to remind you, life owes us nothing. And we can't complain about our lot in life and the way life is, we have to make changes. And constantly complaining makes us into victims who are powerless and we actually weaken our lives. So we respond emotionally, we, we affect our own health, we become physically unwell, and, uh, and here we can see we start to adopt the mentality of a victim. You know, if you see something that you're unhappy about and you complain about it and it doesn't improve, well then, you know, change it. If you go to a restaurant and you go there once and you complain and then the next time you go again and, and, and it's still not right and you complain, you know, you can change it. You can go somewhere else. You, you're not a victim. And when we constantly complain, we adopt the status or the mentality of a victim. Number four, the fourth thing about this trait is it doesn't reflect high standards as much as low tolerance. Let me just say this, I value excellence and I complain and feel justified at times when there's a lack of excellence and especially when I'm paying for it. But there are times when I have to just keep quiet, when I can't keep complaining because it's almost as though I'm proud of my high standards and I actually there are times when I need to just tolerate things. 
And sometimes it can be, not that we have high standards that we complain, but that we have low tolerance for people. And we can't overlook mistakes either in our own home, with our own children, in restaurants, maybe with people that are training, that are new in a job. And we get irritated and then it becomes a habit where we constantly complain and then we're highly miserable people and then we justify it by saying, well, you know, it's because I have such high standards and people around me don't keep these standards. No, there are times when we must develop high tolerance. Maya Angelou, who I love quoting, said this. She said, what you're supposed to do when you don't like a thing is change it. If you can't change it, change the way you think about it. Don't complain. You see, that's what we need to do. We need to be more tolerant or we need to change things and we need to stop complaining. Number five, many people feel they have the right to complain. You know, I think we almost feel justified. It's my right to complain. And Job felt it was his right to complain and certainly it seemed like it, but guess, guess what? It's, it, you have a right to complain, but not constantly complain. And in Job chapter six, Job says, don't I have a right to complain? He's asking, but notice what he says. Wild donkeys bray when they find no green grass and oxen low when they have no food. But then he says something interesting. People complain when there's no salt in their food. In other words, animals complain when there's a lack of food, when they've got nothing to eat. But when people don't have salt on their food, you see how easily we complain about petty things instead of really basic needs or really important things. And we almost feel like we have a right to complain. And Job goes on to say in chapter 10, I'm disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. You know, complainers complain because they want a response. Look at this quote on the screen. Chronic complainers complain to those around them because they seek sympathy and emotional validation. You see, we want people to, 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 to sympathize with us. It's shame. Yes, you're so right. And to agree with our negativity. And, uh, and people in, 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 in all sorts of scenarios do this. People in churches constantly complain and point out faults and feel like they've got the right to complain. I've been in the ministry for many, many years. And what I've noticed is people feel it's their right to complain about church services, about the messages, about the worship, you know. And they constantly complain. And, and, and you know what it does? It wears people out. It wears managers out. It wears pastors out. In the book of Exodus, Moses was receiving the people's complaints about one another. And his father-in-law, Jethro, uh, said something significant to him. Exodus 18, and it says, The next day Moses sat as usual to hear the people's complaints against each other from morning to evening. It's not right, his father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out. And if you do, what will happen to the people? Can you see what happens when you, when you constantly hear negativity and constant complaints? It wears you out. It makes the person who's complaining miserable. And it makes those who are receiving it miserable. And yet people feel they've got a right to complain. You know, when Paul was writing to Timothy about running the church as a pastor, he gave him some advice in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And notice what he says here. Don't listen to the complaints against the pastor unless there are two or three witnesses to accuse him. 
You see, Paul's saying people don't just have the right to complain. And, and unless there's a serious sin, unless it's something that, that is valid and it's not being brought to the attention of the leaders and it's affecting the whole congregation, well, then, you know, you can complain. You can bring it with two or three witnesses. But to just have a habit of complaining is a bad thing. And he says it'll wear the past out. And Timothy, you'll get worn out. Number six, it makes us unattractive to people. Did you know that when you constantly complain, people are repelled by you and not drawn towards you? And uh, we would be careful of that as believers, especially if we're wanting to attract people to Christ and to our church. But if you're looking for a partner in life and you constantly complain, you become unattractive. And if you're wanting to find a life partner, I suggest that you stop constantly complaining. Because if it's a habit in your life and you're miserable, you're not going to attract someone to you. People get put off by it and no one wants to marry a miserable person. So here's my advice to you. If you're dating someone, you're looking for someone to marry, when you go on dates, look for the traits. Look to see if someone is constantly worried, someone is constantly complaining. You can be assured that you're gonna be marrying a miserable person and guess what? You're not gonna make them happy they are gonna make you miserable. And as Christians, we should be attractive and we should draw people to Christ by not constantly complaining. Remember I said we will complain about things and it's right sometimes, but constantly complaining will put people off and will make us unattractive. Paul in the book of Philippians in chapter two and verse 14 says this, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. In other words, you stand out from the crowd, you're different, you're attractive, and you're not constantly complaining and people go, there's something about you, what is it? There's a joy that you have despite your challenges. Yes, we stand out because we don't complain and we hold forth the word of life because it's that which stops us from being victims and we know God is on our side. So let's take note of some of these qualities here and some of these things about constantly complaining. How do we overcome them today? Seven quick ways that we can overcome constant complaining. Number one, I hope you're ready. Develop a sense of appreciation in every bad situation. We need to look at what we can appreciate in every negative situation. What good is there right now in your home, even if you're having marriage trouble? What good is there in South Africa right now, even though there's so much that's difficult and so much corruption and so much cheating and fraud? What good is there that you can see? What good is there in your church, in your marriage? Let's look for the good in every bad situation. Psalm 118 and verse 24 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We've got to decide every day that we won't worry and we won't constantly worry and that we won't constantly complain, but we'll look for the good in every bad situation. You know, I was reading an interesting article and I've just summarized it here in my notes. And it goes like this. It says, our forefathers did without sugar until the 13th century, without coal fires until the 14th century, without battered bread until the 15th century, without potatoes until the 16th century, without coffee, tea, and soup until the 17th century, without pudding until the 18th century, 
and without eggs, matches, and electricity until the 19th century, without canned goods until the 20th century. And then the article says, now what was it that we were complaining about? You see, it's so natural to complain, but we realize we're much better off today than people who lived before us. And we've got to look and have a sense of appreciation for what we have today, the internet, intercommunication, television. There's just so much that we have that our forefathers didn't have, and we shouldn't constantly complain. Let's look for the good in the situation. You know, Israel didn't do that in the book of Numbers. They looked for the bad in what they were going through. And Numbers records in chapter 21 that the people were very discouraged. And it says they began to murmur against God and to complain against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They whined. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. We hate this insipid manner. Gosh, there was blessing ahead, but they couldn't see any good in their circumstances. They weren't grateful to God. There was no appreciation. And as a result, like someone once said, trip canceled. Let's look for the good and let's appreciate what we have in this time, especially during COVID. Number two, the second thing to do to overcome constant complaining is find something good to say about everything. Find something good to say about everything. So we're looking for the good in everything, but now we should find something to say because complaining is saying, it's, it's coming out of our emotion. It's like an overflow. Almost, you know, it's cold today, isn't it? No, no, we need to think and find something good to say about everything. You know, a mother was teaching her daughter, you need to find something good to say about everyone and find something good to say about everything. And so the little girl thought she was clever and she said, mom, can I find anything good to, to say about the devil? And uh, the mom replied, yes, at least he's always on the job and he's good at what he does. It's amazing how you can find something good in every circumstance. Wives, your husband drives too fast. Well, at least you get to places quickly and you don't have to drag a journey out. And so when you come to church, the music's often too loud. We've heard that over the years, but guess what? It's better to have dynamic, lively uh, music and an atmosphere of worship that is electric than to have a dull, dreary band that's ticking over on the platform. You need to find something good to say about everything. And here's, here's a bit of advice. When you constantly complain, remember this, most people don't want to hear it. Most people don't want to hear complaints. They'll tolerate it. Sometimes they'll agree with you. But most people want to hear good things. Most of us need encouragement. And constant complaining makes you miserable and makes other people miserable too. I remember this story from way back, and you've probably heard it before. There was a monk who went into a monastery and took a vow of silence. At the end of seven years, he was allowed to speak, but only two words. And they asked him, what do you want to say? And he said, bed hard. Well, they looked at him and he continued in the monastery. At the end of another seven years, he was allowed another two words and he decided he was going to leave. And they said to him, What's, uh, what do you want to tell us? And he said, food bad. And so they said, well, we're not surprised you want to leave. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. It's so easy to let that come out of our mouths and to constantly complain. You know, I was reading this quote and I thought about it because at our house when it rains, we love it because we know the garden is getting watered because water is so expensive. And this unknown person said this, today I can complain because the weather is rainy, 
or I can be thankful that the grass is getting watered for free. You can always find something good to say in a bad situation and about everything if you just train yourself to do it. Let's not constantly complain because we make ourselves miserable and everyone else miserable around us. Number three, develop some realistic expectations. You know, a lot of the time we are unrealistic about our expectations. We expect far too much from other people, from our spouses, from our children, from governments especially. People have completely unrealistic expectations and so they constantly complain, complain, complain and they make themselves miserable and everyone else around them. And you know, businesses will not meet with your approval, neither with res will restaurants, neither will governments, neither will your family. And you can expect excellence, but don't expect perfection. In Matthew chapter 11, even Jesus speaking to people said to them, you've got unrealistic expectations. And he said this to them, he said, for John the Baptist doesn't even drink wine and often goes without food and you say he's crazy. And I, the Messiah, feast and drink, and you complain that I'm a glutton and a drinking man and hang around with the worst of sinners. You see, even Jesus couldn't keep everyone happy. And we've got to be realistic. Don't expect a 10 from seven people. When you're in business, recognize that some people are incompetent, others are lazy. It's human nature. And if they don't serve the Lord or are working as unto the Lord, they won't give their best. So you've got to be realistic about it. If you're having marriage problems, don't complain all the time. Don't constantly complain because you chose that person. So start to see the good in them and start to see the good in a bad situation. You know, we've got to be careful that, that, that we don't become so unrealistic that we become demanding of people. I notice when people want a partner, some people compile a list of 10 things and they've got unrealistic expectations. Well, what I say is if you're compiling a list, do you fulfill the qualities on that list that you're expecting from other people? Because now you're gonna constantly be complaining that you can't find the right person because you've got this unreasonable list, but yet you're not the right person and you don't even meet those standards. Don't expect heaven on earth, you'll be a happier person. Number four, I hope this is helping you today. Thank God for the gift of life, even when it's tough. You know, we've got to thank God for the gift of life. We are alive today, and I've been saying this in many different forms, in many different messages. Thank you, Lord, that we are alive today, even though we're going through a very tough season. Psalm 34 and verse one advises us to do this. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. So I will praise the Lord at all times, but those who are going through a hard time, who are afflicted, let them hear me and let them learn that even in a difficult situation, they should thank God because life is an opportunity and we should thank God for daily life and breath. And we should be grateful that we are still on the planet, even though it's difficult and it's discouraging and we're faced with challenges. You know, the name Judah in the Bible means praise, but the nation of Judah lost their language of praise and began to constantly 
complain. And when Nehemiah was building the walls, they didn't see the good that was happening. They didn't see that the wall is built to half its height in just 52 days. They began to complain instead of praise. And they should have thanked God for what was happening, but instead they saw the challenges. And uh, remember, a complainer is only an explainer of problems. They're not an explainer of solutions. And they come to Nehemiah in chapter four of Nehemiah. And it says, then the people of Judah began to complain that the workers were becoming tired. There was so much rubble to be moved that we could never get it done by ourselves. But then Nehemiah responds in verse 14, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your friends, your families and your homes. Notice he doesn't offer a solution to the fact that there's so much rubble and that they can't do it alone. He responds by saying, change your attitude, fight, take a stand, see that there's a gift of God here. This is a tough situation. Change your attitude because the situation can't change. And often we complain about things that can't change, but what we need to do is change our attitude. And uh, Hannah Whittle-Smith, she was an, a, a female evangelist in the 1800s already and a part of the holiness movement. And she said, the soul that gives thanks can find comfort in everything. The soul that complains can find comfort in nothing. You see, it's up to you. When you see the good in things, when you thank God for the gift of life, even when things are tough, you can begin to remove constant complaining from, from your life and bring joy and happiness once again. Number five, trust God to teach us godly contentment. You know, human beings by nature are not content. It's not natural to be content. We need to learn godly contentment. And there's a tension there because we should be moving forward and aspiring and we should have ambitions and desires and dreams and goals. Yet at the same time, we need a godly contentment, especially when things don't move forward, when there isn't progress, when we're in seasons where, there, where there's a, like a winter season and nothing is happening. We need a godly contentment while we wait on the Lord. In Ecclesiastes chapter one and verse eight, Solomon says this. He says, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. You see, that's human nature. But Paul writing to Timothy says this in 1 Timothy six, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, we suddenly realize, hang on a minute, there's, there's a sense in which I want to move my life forward and I shouldn't be uh, completely satisfied, otherwise I'll settle, but I need to realize, hang on a minute, thank you, Lord, for where I am. I'm content with my life and I'm trusting you for the next season. There's an Indian proverb which describes it correctly and it says this, I complained because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. You see, we've got to get perspective about what it is we have. And only God can give us that because we are naturally discontent and we're naturally dissatisfied and complainers. And while we need to strive to move and improve our lives and go forward, we can't walk around with, a, with an attitude or a look of disapproval on our faces all the time where we're constantly complaining, we're constantly unhappy, we constantly wish we were and when we, and we're living in the future but we don't enjoy a godly contentment and thank God for the day that we find ourselves in. I wanna encourage you today, don't constantly complain about everything. Thank God that you're alive, even when it's tough, and ask God to teach you godly contentment if you find yourself constantly 
complaining. Number six, this is very important today to every working person. Stop complaining about your salary, raise your value. You know, in teaching on business, I've said this many times over the years, people constantly complain about their salaries as though it's a point of conversation. Now, don't complain about your salary, raise your value. Jim Rohn, the late business coach, put it like this. He said, you don't get paid for the hour, you get paid for the value you bring to the hour. And then he says, money is usually attracted, not pursued. And you know, people are constantly complaining about the hourly rate, or the weekly rate, or the monthly rate, and they complain to their colleagues, they complain to their boss, they complain to their friends, and it's as though they think complaining is going to increase their salary. It never does. Complaining never ever increases your salary. You can see that from all the protests and all the things that go on, people are constantly unhappy, they constantly complain, and then they get an increase, but then they're unhappy, and then they're constantly, so it, no, you have to raise your value. If you want more money and you want to attract more money, you have to raise your value. I love what the comedian Drew Carey said. He said this, he says, oh, you hate your job. Why didn't you say so? There's a support group for that. It's called everybody and they meet at the bar. Remember that. Stop complaining constantly about your job. Raise your value. Become so valuable that they'll want to pay you more, that they'll seek after you because complaining doesn't change anything. It just makes you unhappy, makes everybody unhappy around you and makes it seem like the whole world is unfair. Number seven, as we move to a close, realize God hates it and so do most people. You know, God hates our complaining and most people don't want to hear our constant complaining. People can put up with a few complaints and you know, in a bit of conversation, but God hates it and most people hate constant complaining. And especially if you're looking for a spouse, you're looking to improve your marriage, we need to stop. Notice what the Lord says here in Numbers chapter 11. The people were soon complaining about all their misfortunes and the Lord heard them. See, God saw that they were miserable his anger flared out against them because of their complaints. So the fire of the Lord began destroying those at the far end of the camp. Here God has them on a journey to good things. They're on their way to blessing. He's got great plans for them, but they're constantly complaining. So he cancels the trip and his anger flares out against them. God gets annoyed with constant complaining. So do your friends and your family and even the people you work with. Psalm 95 and verse 9, it says, For there your fathers doubted me. Though they had seen so many of my miracles before, my patience was severely tried by their complaints. Not only does it make God angry, it makes us miserable and it makes others miserable too. I hope you've received some simple keys here today on how to overcome being highly miserable. God doesn't want you to constantly worry and he doesn't want you to constantly complain. He wants you to see the good in everything, the good in bad situations, to thank him for the gift of life, even when there are difficulties and tough situations and to change your perspective, even when things stay the same. As we come to a close today, you know, we have to resist the temptation to complain. And I want to encourage you, make a decision today. 
I'm going to resist that temptation when it wells up me, when there's that emotional response, that habit of, uh, I'm going to resist that temptation and I'm going to ask God to give me godly contentment and I'm going to trust him to help me today. Maybe you're a person today who doesn't know the Lord and you probably say, well, you know, my life sucks. That's why I constantly complain. Well, the book of Romans talks about the the change that comes into people. It says, you know, that although they knew God, that they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him. So one of the signs of turning from God is ignoring him and not honoring him and not giving thanks, but instead reverting to living by yourself and constantly complaining. And you know, when you live by yourself, That's when trouble comes because we live apart from God. We live apart from forgiveness and we can't get to heaven by good works. We get to heaven because of Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, invite Jesus into your life. Just recently, I was reading again about John F. Kennedy Jr. He took a plane flight with three other people and he got caught in mist and in clouds. And instead of relying on his instruments, which would guide him through the clouds, He began to go by what they call the seat of his pants, by his own instincts, by his own feelings. He was experienced as a pilot. And so he decided, no, he wouldn't trust the instruments. He'd fly by the seat of his pants. And as a result, crashed into the sea, sadly, and three other people also died. We can't go by our instincts. We can't go by what we think will work. No matter how experienced we are, we have to go by God's instruments, his word, and his truth. And Jesus Christ is the one who brings joy into our lives, takes away misery, forgives our sins. If you would like to pray with me today and invite Jesus into your life, do it right now. Pray with me on the screen. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. I believe in him today and I receive his forgiveness and his sacrifice for the salvation of my soul. Lord, come into my life, make me a child of God. Guide me by the instrument of your word and the instrument of your spirit and lead me to life eternal. I decide this today and I ask you to guide me and lead me and grow me as a person and as a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 